What's up, people? Another episode of Justice Ford. Hope you're doing well. You've enjoyed your holiday, whether it was Hanukkah, Christmas, or Kwanzaa. It's almost the last day of Kwanzaa, which is faith. I've enjoyed mine with family and friends. I've, of course, enjoyed the sports, which we're going to get to shortly. Um, And now also, I will end the show. Of course, I'll do my gut check picks, but I'll end the show on some wishes, sports wishes for 2024. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to do that too. Um, We're going to talk about the National Football League referee controversies across multiple sports, unfortunately. We'll talk about uh, college football as well and why they must, must, the NCAA must do something about this transfer portal. And then we'll end the show uh, before we get to the wishes for 2024, talking about the return of Rafa, Rafa Nadal. But first, we're going to start with the National Football League. And uh, first, a lesson for me that sometimes I forget, I'm sure you forget too. You gotta watch till the final whistle. And I learned a hard lesson last night when the Cowboys intercepted the Lions with like uh, a minute to go. I think it was about a minute to go. Maybe it's a little longer than that. It's more like a minute 30 or something. I was tired, y'all. And I was like, uh, game over. I watched this thing. Great game. Great game between two teams. And... It was just like, yeah, it's over. Cowboys won. Now, Cowboys did end up winning. But when I woke up and my mom was like, did you see the the end of that Lions-Cowboys game? And I was like, yeah, it was an interception. Like, I I said, oh, it's kind of a bummer. I was hoping they could drive down the field. She was like, my mom was like, they did. I was like, what? My mom is a big sports fan, which is funny. I know that's where I got it from because both my mom and dad love watching sports. And that's where I got it from. Um, And I was surprised. And then, of course, I wasn't surprised when, of course, the game ended on some referee controversy where, of course, you know, it's like they end up playing a role in the game. And I just hate it. I hate it. Because... You know, it's like, oh, referee wins, referee, their decision goes, and then you find out, well, hold up, all right? The players are saying that they did say that they were eligible. The referee saying, no, you, you didn't make yourself eligible. And now it just destroys the end of the game. And even though you want to say, well, it was just a regular season, maybe it doesn't matter, but it does matter, and you know it matters. It may not matter when you when it's like week one or week two, but yeah, those losses matter too because now the Lions had a chance to say that they were going to host a, the home playoff game, and now they may not. They could have maybe had home field advantage for the playoffs, and now they may not. And it all came down to a referee, and I just simply don't like it. I think there needs to be more oversight. I actually, and the thing is, there's always something new that needs to be overseen. And in this case, it's the eligibility. All right? Personally, 
if players are going to be eligible, then don't make it a secret. So you could pretend that, oh, maybe they won't know that player is eligible. Let's just make it known to absolve the referees of what is perceived to be, we told you we were checking in and making ourselves eligible receivers or not, right? If you're going to make yourself eligible receivers, you should have to not just hear the referee say these players are eligible receivers. I think moving forward, the referee should have to announce to everyone player number 70, player number 68, player number 77 are all eligible. Whoever's eligible outside of a wide receiver or running back or a tight end or quarterback, it needs to be announced. Maybe that's the only way to do it because the players can't say, I told you I was eligible and the referees end up, you know, marring the game like they did. Because maybe it isn't always the referee's fault. And I'm not necessarily saying it's always the referee's fault in this case. I'm just simply saying that it's annoying that once again, another game is marred by a controversial call. We should not have that. There's a reason why they are still flipping out about the immaculate reception. Right? The tuck rule. Different plays that have come up where it's like two two toes in bounds. I think that there needs to be some changes made because it just it destroys the game. It really does. And it bums me out when it comes down to a referee's call. That was a the way that and obviously I only watched it via replay, but the way that Detroit marched down the field in three plays and got the touchdown and got the two-point conversion to think that they did everything right. And yet somehow they didn't. And I know in their mind, they would say, well, we think we did. We told you, right? We told you we were eligible. The referees, oh, I didn't hear it. Eh, come on. We just, we just simply can't end games like this. And that's where it just is really sad. It's really sad. Because I thought it was a great way to end Saturday Football, we'll get to NBA versus NFL ratings later, but I feel like just no sport should either not so much go up against the NFL, go up against the NFL, but accept the fact that, look, stop, let's change the narrative. They're not going up against the NFL. They have to get their games in too. We know golf changed their entire schedule because they were tired of going against, tired of going up against the NFL. You just can't beat them. You can't beat them. But that's not what we're here to talk about. That's not what we're here to talk about. The other thing I want to get to in NFL, um, I'll do my gut check picks on the, you know what, I'll give them early. Let me do them on the back end of, while I'm on the NFL, I'll just finish on the NFL. Business period is never easy, right? We've heard the expression, Godfather, is business nothing personal, right? I know I'm paraphrasing. And I believe it is Godfather. That'd be a shame if I got that wrong. I believe it's Godfather. I've heard it so often and just forget the reference, where it came from. But this Russell Wilson deal, it's it just, it's dirty. It's messy. I don't like it. And I know if you're, maybe if you're a Broncos fan, you do like it. Maybe you're like, yeah, I don't want Russell Wilson either. But the fact that they asked him to restructure his deal, he's like, no, I I want my money. 
I'm not getting rid of the uh, the injury clause. And so now they're going to try to sit him in hopes that they can trade him, right? Because they don't want him to get hurt. And then they owe this almost $40 million if he can't play because he's hurt playing in the game. You sign that agreement, Denver Broncos ownership and management. And now they want out of it. And it happens to multiple players that we don't even talk about because right now we're only talking about a superstar, a Hall of Famer potentially, and Russell Wilson. All I'm simply here to say is I want him in Washington. You've heard me talk on this podcast and probably on many other shows about the mediocre, mediocre quarterback play in the NFL this year, right? Yeah, that's great stories, Tommy DeVito. Oh, yeah, you know, the local guy, local, you know, like whatever. All right, we got Joe Flacco at quarterback in Cleveland because Deshaun Watson gets hurt. Now, granted, he's not a journeyman. He's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. But there are a lot of quarterbacks this year that realistically would never be starting. The only story where it's like, I mean, I guess he's not Cinderella anymore. It's Brock Purdy in San Francisco. And obviously the most famous story of someone who's not like drafted in the first or second round and becoming the best ever is Tom Brady. So we know it can happen. But the number of quarterbacks who are having to to start that probably would never have started ever in the NFL and been a perennial backup quarterback is like the quarterback play is not that great. And obviously in Washington it isn't. I mean, the fact that Sam Howell going into the – around this time last year, right? What do we hear Ron Rivera? Oh, yeah, Sam Howell's our guy. I should have given him a chance. I'm going to give him a chance next season. And now we're three-quarters of the way done with the season, and Ron's like, yeah, Sam's not our guy. So, hey, if we can get Russell Wilson, I'll take it. I know it's kind of along those same lines of what Washington has done, a history of doing, even with past ownership. Thank you. We have Josh Harris now. But I'm sure there's like a, uh, we're not going to do that. We can go all the way back to the Bruce Smith, Donovan McNabb, Deion Sanders, the older players that they brought back for a season or two. And I'm trying to give you that old, the older players, because I want you to, Remember, you know, for those of you who may not know it, they've been doing this in Washington for the longest time, bringing in these older players, signing them for, I wouldn't say big deals, but, you know, probably more money than they needed to get uh, on, on the downside of their career. Now, I'll give it to you, right? I was happy about every single one of them before they were signed. I'm not going to act like I was like, don't do it, don't do it. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Every single one. I would say, yeah, let's do it. So I got, I'm got i not absolving myself of being on board with it. And so here I am on board with it again. Am I a sucker? Maybe I'm a sucker. Or maybe I just like the, I, I like the comeback story. That's what it is. That's really what it comes down to. Because in many ways, that's what it would be. Russell Wilson is from the, DMV, 
And so if he were to come back, I'm like, yeah, that, that'd be kind of cool. We'll see if it happens because he's owed a lot of money. And who knows how that plays out? Because just like I said with John Wall, I'm not going to another team. I'm not taking a buyout. I'm going to stay right here and you're going to owe me that money. And I'm going to let you figure it out because you signed the contract and so did I. Not letting you off the hook. You want to sit me down? Go ahead, sit me down. And you're going to pay me that money. You're going to let me play? Okay, I'll play. And I'll give you the best of my ability. And so if I'm Russell Wilson, you let Denver have to make that call. And that way you keep, get to keep your money. And I hope that that's the case for Russell. And I hope he gets to come to D.C. Come on home. Russell and Sierra. You know everybody in DMV would be so happy if Russell Wilson were to play for Washington. So let's see if we could, let's see if it can happen. Let's see. Because I'm kind of excited about that possibility. If Denver doesn't want him, we'll take him. The sad thing is Denver doesn't have any good draft picks. The quarterback, uh, I think they have, I think they picked 13th or 14th. But the good quarterbacks this year will be gone by then, so they don't really have – it's not like they're going to draft someone. But then again, you know what? I'm not going to say that because Sean Payton is has a proven track record, and you never know. But if they want to get off of Russell Wilson, then so be it. And I think that's what they're going to do. And if he can come to Washington, all right, that works for me. And I think that will work for you if you're a Washington fan. He returns home. Speaking of returns, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this as I begin the NBA, but I'm disappointed in John Morant. First of all, I have to say I'm happy for my fantasy team now that he is active. It, it's, uh, yeah, a nice boost for my team. But I'm disappointed in after uh, a big win and a great play, he did the pistol signs. In celebration. And I'm sad because I feel like he has not learned his lesson. He has, he showed, this was his first game back. No, maybe it wasn't his first. Maybe it was his second. Shoot. I'll admit that it was like a week and a half ago, but I make my notes of things that I want to talk about when I'm ready to do a pod. I should do it more often. I agree with you. And it might have been after a big dunk and he just kind of celebrated and did his little pistols thing. I'm just so disappointed in him. But I'm also disappointed in the league and the media for not calling him out because it needs to be called out. Dude, you still have not learned your lesson. And I just hope that in him not learning his lesson, that it does, doesn't come down to something serious happening to him or to someone else because of guns. And if I remember correctly, even Gilbert Arenas even pointed it out. Like, yo, did y'all peep this? My man is still associating himself with guns. And that's the most disappointing thing when you want to talk about, oh, is he going through counseling, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, he's not going through counseling. He's just sitting down collecting his check 
He's going to come back and, you know, it's different from when it was like Allen Iverson saying, I'm just going to be me. With guns, it's a little bit different. And it just seems like, unfortunately, it's just a matter of time before he makes that mistake again because he just simply doesn't care. I don't think he cares about what image that is portraying. And granted, neither does the country to an extent. When we talk about the gun laws and, you know, the gun violence and the mass shootings that have happened, guns is a very sensitive topic all around. And I'm just disappointed that Ja has not been able to let go of his affinity for guns and his love for guns. And I would I don't want to say the violence, but I don't want to go back into the whole history. You can go look it up yourself and see how he and his friend group, if you will, his crew, all love guns. They like brandishing them. And I'm sure in their spare time, in their private time, I think they like wielding them and pointing them at people and intimidating people with them. And that's truly unfortunate all around. And he's probably never going to give it up. And that also means the league has lost. They're not going to win this. Outside of kicking him out of the league, which they're not going to do, unless something really egregious or sad happens. But I want him to, I want the best for Ja. I want him to not end up in a situation where a great talent, a great role model can't get it through his head that like, dude, I got to not be associated with guns. And and the media's got to call him out on that. And I know you're scared too, some of the people in the media, because you want to be friends with him. You're hoping to get that exclusive interview, et cetera, et cetera. Let's not think about that first. Let's think about the gun safety and gun laws and what it's portraying to the young people out there that like it's cool. It's it's not cool. And I hope that we get that right. What I want also, let's flip here, but stay in the NBA. I want someone else to get it right. Back to the referees. Lakers, Wolves, LeBron James hits a three-pointer to tie the game at 107. The referees say it wasn't a three, it was a two-pointer. They go back to the review, the replay center in Secaucus, New Jersey. They say it's a two. But LeBron James pointing at the monitor. Fans in Minnesota are looking up at the big screen. And it shows that there's a nice, there's just enough space between LeBron James' foot and the three-point line. To show that, yeah, it was a three. Referees say, nope, it's a two. Lakers lose the game. This could come down to something happening at the end of the season. That's what you have to remember every time your team loses or wins, especially when it's about a controversy. Every game counts. I'm tired and annoyed at the number of people Associated with teams and fans, eh, it's just a regular season game. No, it isn't. How many times have y'all seen in Major League Baseball, NHL, NBA, NFL, it come down to the last game? It's happened time and time again. You all keep falling for it. 
You keep falling for it like, oh, it's just a regular season game. No, it isn't. Every game counts. Every game matters. Not stupid in-season tournament. Oh, let's put an in-season tournament so the game, the regular season matters more. No, the regular season matters all the time. And it would be really sad if it comes down to the Lakers are one game on the last day of the season. If they win, they make it into the tournament. If they lose, they have to go to the, what is tag? The play-in tournament. Something like that. Or to just make the playoffs, period. And it comes down to this, to one, to one game. Every game counts. And whether it's something where you need to put a chip in a shoe and some sort of a sensor on a three-point line, I don't know. It's got to be something where it's indisputable evidence that a player was either out of bounds or stepping on a three-point line, whatever the case may be, some kind of pressure sensor on the on the end of the three-point line. Something, something. There just has to be some other solution, something better. But then here's the thing that came into my mind. I think the leagues like this stuff. I think realistically, this is great for the league. Leagues. Let me make that plural. All of these day afters where the fans are like, oh, the referees messed it up. My team lost or my team won in the debates. That was a good shot. Oh, yeah, he didn't step on the line. All of that talk keeps the game in the media stream. And I think the leagues like it. I think that's why they accept it. I don't know why I really, in my mind, didn't think of it that way before. But I think that's where we are. I think they 100% want the controversy. Just like in the Lions-Cowboys. So people have something to talk about the next day. And it makes them want to watch the next game to see what's going to happen. It makes them interested in, oh, LeBron James, they took away that three. Oh, man, what? Let me watch the next game, next Lakers game, next Wolves game, whatever the case may be. The Wolves are in first place. I didn't know that. Why? Because, you know, somehow they saw it on the news like, oh, let me tell you about the controversy in the NBA. So it's probably good for the leagues to have this kind of discourse. So... That's what I am resigned to accepting today is that these teams are going to continue to let this happen. I mean, leagues, but I guess teams too, because teams probably like the controversy as well. Now somebody's like, oh, Timberwolves are in first place, as I just said, right? It's getting more interest in the game, and that's what's happening. One special, one certain game I was really interested in, as I will actually talk about the trade as well, are the Detroit Pistons. And they break a 28-game losing streak. 28 games in one season. One season. Now, now they own the record for most losses in one 
season. They still own the season sing the still own the single season record. But they only tied for the longest losing streak, but that was over two seasons. And I know that was a big relief for them. And it doesn't matter what happened with the other team, but they were playing the Raptors, who was shorthanded, because of a big trade. A big trade between the Raptors and the Knicks. Headliner is OG Ananobi, goes to New York. RJ Barrett and Emmanuel quickly go to the Raptors. So both teams were shorthanded. Really, the Raptors were shorthanded. And the interesting thing is, this has everything to do with a sports agency and less to do with the Knicks and Raptors really needing to make these deals. Leon Rose, has a, has, who is a GM in New York, has connections with CAA. OG Ananobi is a CAA player. And it's like this whole family thing. You got to hook the agents up, right? You know I've said it for a long time. LeBron James and a number of clutch sports players that end up on the Lakers because his best friend or one of his best friends, Rich Paul, is an agent. It's collusion. What's happening with the Knicks is collusion. Yep, let me just hit hook my players up. I'll bring OG and Anobi to the Knicks. I'll get them paid. Probably some kickback for Leon Rose from CAA for, for bringing his player on. I'll protect him. I'll make sure he stays in the league. I'll give him a long contract. All of that stuff. And it isn't the first time. It won't be the last time it happens. I personally don't know if it will help either team. This also apparently, as I'm reading, it's not like I follow the Knicks all the time. And my man Dexter Henley, he got game on New York, his New York Post show. I'm sure we'll talk about it more in more detail because he's in the know in New York. But this also apparently has something to do with Jalen Brunson. And that maybe he didn't want Emmanuel quickly there because he wants to be the guy. And Emmanuel quickly can't be a six man forever, but he's a point guard. Now we maybe we'll get to start in Toronto. And I feel like Toronto is going to be sellers. And they're going to stockpile draft picks. Which means Pascal Siakam may be traded soon. It was a big trade for both teams. I just don't know if it makes either team better. Precious Achou also was traded was a part of this trade going to the Knicks. I just don't really know if it helps either team that well. Was OG Ananobi that good? Eh, he's all right. That's my thing. I I just personally, I just don't really see it. I don't really see it being that a game changer for either team. And there's stuff behind the scenes that maybe will come out very soon. 
that will help us understand a little bit more about this trade. I hope that's the case. Because, again, I'm just like, yeah, it didn't move me. Maybe it moved you more. Maybe you're like, oh, this was a good one. I just don't see it. Precious Achua, that was his name. I say Achoa. I think I got that. I definitely got that wrong. Maybe also, obviously, OG as a free agent this summer. So it's, you know, maybe Toronto's like, hey, we're not going to keep him anyway. So we'll, we'll go on ahead and trade him. And maybe, I don't know, does this form a big three? I mean, New York's only 17 and 14. They're not really doing much. Anobi was averaging 15 points per game. Uh, I guess they gained a little bit of defense out of him. But I thought Emmanuel quickly was really good. And we'll see how this plays out for them. Maybe it's good. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. One thing I wanted to touch on before I switch to college football is it's unfortunate. Christmas Day fell on a Saturday this year. Wait, was it Saturday? Dang, did I get that wrong? Monday, excuse me, Monday. And so the NFL, they play games on Monday. So they put their games up against the NBA and the NBA, which I think, come on, it's a fabricated, oh, NBA owns Christmas Day games. Uh, not really. Not really. And frankly, I think it's a overblown discussion because... Nothing will trump the NFL. Nothing. And let's just accept that and move on. Let's not say it as if all of a sudden one day the NBA was going to have better ratings than the NFL. Christmas Day next year will be what? On Tuesday? And then what's it on Tuesday? What's going to happen next? Nothing because basically... It'll be on Wednesday next year. I had to look it up. December 25th is Wednesday. So the NFL will not play on Christmas Day. And then we move on. So I just want to say this comparison, it needs to just go away. Now you could say, oh, well, don't. I mean, what are you not going to schedule your sporting event now on a Thursday or Saturday or Sunday or Monday? Right? At least three days that you can potentially play a sport? Come on. We know that's not realistic. TNT, the best show, in my opinion, in the NBA. They moved their games to Tuesday because they were tired of losing to Thursday night football all the time. I get that. 
It shows the power of the NBA and the weakness of the NBA. But this was a unique circumstance that the NBA just had to accept and move on. Next year, they won't have to deal with it. So be it. I just don't want this comparison like, ooh, look at that. The NFL crushed NBA. They did. And we knew that was going to happen. 30 million views to 2.5 million views. That was going to happen. I personally, and I was talking to some friends of mine who have also used to be in sports and are no longer in sports. Some of them are in sports. Shoot, players used to tell me, yeah, I don't, I don't watch sports. I play it. I work for a team for a living, but I'm not watching full games anymore. I watch a little bit. Maybe I get to the fourth quarter, third period, seventh inning. Maybe I watch the first inning a little bit and then come, you know, flip around and come back to it. That happens these days. No one's really watching full games anymore. They're watching highlights, bits and pieces. It's trending on social media. Oh, let me watch the rest of it. Something's happening in this game. That's how we watch. Red zone. Eh, NBA, you can't, it doesn't work. It's corny to me. But red zone is the best. You can watch everything. Just don't compare them. It's not apples and oranges. Not apples and oranges. One game I did keep an eye on, but one eye on it. Not really watching. But to me, it was the game that I was most curious about, more so than the national championship. Although the fact that Michigan is scared of Alabama, yeah, they should be. That video of the Michigan Wolverines when it was announced that they'd be playing Alabama, that definitely was a lackluster Kind of like, yeah, we're not excited about that. We're worried. That was a reaction, the natural reaction from the Michigan Wolverines. Maybe they've changed. Maybe it's going to be a game. But what wasn't a game is Florida State, Georgia. Georgia crushed them, 63-3. to I mean, I think it was over. When, when, the, when the matchup came out, it was over. And I knew in my, my thought, and so obviously – the panel of the college football playoff say, yeah, this they don't need to be in the top four. They're not worthy. And most of it was because of the quarterback. And that's the truth. The funny thing is, if Travis Hunter didn't get hurt, I actually think he wouldn't have played anyway because he would be on his way to the NFL. So him getting hurt, yes, unfortunately, it hurts his NFL draft stock. But I felt like there's a part of him that probably would not have played anyway. But that's not what we're here to talk about. What we're here to talk about is why the game ended up being 63-3. to FSU head coach Mike Norville said that the, uh, the college football playoff committee's decision to leave the undefeated FSU team out of playoffs uh, left a sour taste in players' mouth that made them say, yeah, I don't want to play in it. And to me, that's, that's not an excuse. FSU played the game without their top two quarterbacks, transfer portals, Two running backs, top two running backs, top two wide receivers, a starting tight end, three starting defensive linemen, two of the three starting linebackers, and three starting defensive backs. 
They said, and this was on ESPN, a total of 29 scholarship players in all. And they didn't all leave for the transfer portal. All right, I don't want to put that out there, but a number of them did. And my question is, well, why are they leaving? That was the next thing for me that I feel like has gone under the radar in the national news. Maybe it's not at an FSU if you're looking at the Tallahassee newspaper or watching local, listening to local podcasts or watching local news, maybe on the ACC network, possibly. Why are all these players leaving? Leaving an undefeated team. That Travis, Jordan Travis, what did I say earlier? May have said his name wrong. He's gone. Like, you have a chance to make a name for yourself if you're a quarterback, you're a wide receiver. Are you worried about who the next quarterback is going to be so you don't want to play there anymore? I mean, that's to me, is a bigger issue. There are a lot of players that are just leaving. A lot of players opted out of playing in a game that you were crying about two weeks ago, how you weren't in the college football playoff, but now you're not in the college football I don't want to play then. That's how it looks to me on face value. That's how it looks to me on face value. And I'd be worried about the number of players moving forward about next year's FSU team between the NCAA transfer portal and the 2024 NFL draft. What are you boycotting? Is that, that's what you call it? You're boycotting your chance to play? Possibly. But that's sad. That all of these players checked out. And you didn't just check out because in blame college football playoff. To me, you let your teammates down. I understand, oh yeah, but I want to make sure I'm healthy for the NFL draft. That's where I'm like, so realistically, you let down your teammates. You let down the FSU fans. The other ones, the fans, I mean, that were behind you, that were supporting you in your outrage for not getting into the college football playoff. And that's how you repay them. But I say, yeah, and I'm not going to show up for the big game. Because the sad thing is, 
It doesn't matter what game you're playing in, whether it's against Georgia in a non-college football playoff game or in the semifinals. You get hurt, you get hurt. I think you let everyone down by doing that if you're an FSU player. The flip side is I don't like the transfer portal and they got to figure that out. I think they should make the transfer portal only in the summer. Fine. You don't want to play for your college anymore after the football season ends? That's fine. We will honor your scholarship that you will finish out the spring semester. Then you can go into the transfer portal. Because that is the other thing that are going to hurt college football playoffs, period. I'm in the transfer portal. So I got to enroll in my next school for the spring. Like that doesn't work either. And I think the NCAA has to find a way to fix that. And they got to fix it fast. They got to fix it this summer. They've got to say, hey, no more transfer portal in the winter. I think that's the best thing for it. Because remember, transfer portal isn't just about college football. It's about all sports. And I think that there's that dead period. And I know it's not a, a long dead period. But I think because of how big college football is. And if this is going to be an issue moving forward, how FSU basically didn't field most of their best players, mostly on offense, because of the transfer portal or the NFL draft, they got to do something. Something has to be done. Something has to be done. And the other thing I think that has to be done, they got to go to the 12-team playoff. And they're going to do that next year. And then that hopefully will squash this. But you know it won't. Because the 13th and the 14th and the 15th team will say, how come I didn't get in? The only thing that was that really the flip side, which was like, good, this is what was supposed to happen. Although I guess some people would say Florida State losing was supposed to happen too because they shouldn't have been the college football playoff because they didn't have their best quarterback and a bunch of other players leaving. But James Madison lost to Air Force and they were talking about, oh, we're undefeated. We should be in the conversation for the national championship. No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't be. You, you shouldn't. You're not at that level. And I don't know. I'm not going to say they can't get to that level down the road, but they're not there yet. And let's move on. Speaking of moving on, we're moving on to the next season of tennis. Australian Open in January. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for the return of Rafa Nadal. Rafael Nadal. I was trying to decide if I wanted to say Rafa or Rafael Nadal. He's coming back from a hip injury. And that's a good and a bad thing. He's 37 years old. I'm excited for him as his return. You know, it's sad the way that Roger Federer went out due to injury. This might be Rafa's last Australian Open, but he wants to leave the door open for 2025, which is fine. Everyone's excited about his return. Because realistically, come on, let's face it. Nobody likes, and as I like to say, Novak's Joe COVID. Novak's Joe COVID. Nobody likes him. Nobody wants him to win. But he's already won. 
and he will continue to win. The bigger problem is only Rafa Nadal. It's like a Marvel or DC Comics. Only Rafa Nadal can come can defeat Novak. That's what it's like. Because the state of I'm just going to say men's tennis because I feel like even though Iga Swiatek is really could dominate on the women's side too. All right, Coco Golf won the U.S. Open. I'm happy for her there. And I feel like it's not like Iga, Iga won everything. But on the men's side, Novak could, could win all of the Grand Slams if he wanted to. Nobody out there. And I used to, I'm team, team, Dominique team. That was my guy in 2022. He had an injury and fell off. There's just nobody out there in tennis. I root for Francis Tiafo. Of course I do. He's from the DMV too. Black tennis player. Yeah, I root for him. Ben Shelton's new on the scene. I root for him too. But there's no one out there. Sits the pass, and Medvedev, and Carlos Alcaraz, and they're not going to rise to the level of Novak Djokovic. Novak Djokovic is just going to get old eventually. But that's in my mind why everybody wants Rafa back. They need somebody that they can count on that. There's a good chance he's going to beat Novak Djokovic. Everybody else, you're just closing your eyes. You're like, oh, are they going to win? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Most likely not. Most likely not. But I'm happy for the return of Rafa. And I hope that, you know, he's probably not going to be the same. It's probably not going to happen. And that's, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, it takes me into my wishes for 2024. Outside of my personal ones, which is one to actually exercise this year, I'm writing a movie. I hope to finish it this year. I'm going too slow. I'm doing so many other things that I'm not 100% focused on it. But outside of the personal gains or goals... Here are my sports wishes for 2024. And I started thinking about teams first. In football, as it's the one that's coming up now, I hope the Lions win the Super Bowl. I hope they get over that hump of never, if I remember correctly, I think I remember never winning an NFL playoff game. And I hope that takes them all the way to the Super Bowl. But I know against the 49ers, that's going to be tough. I would like the Niners to win as a secondary win. But for my guy, Jeremy and Darren and all of the Detroit Lion fans out there, that'd be a cool story. 
Jared Goff an outcast from the Rams. They said he was no good. Granted, the Rams won a Super Bowl the next year. That'd be cool if Jared Goff can win it too. I'm in Ross St. Brown. I like him. I like Dan Campbell, the emotion he shows, the love he has for his team. I want to see it happen in Detroit. That's my first wish for 2024. Second wish. I'm hoping that my guy, Robert Covington, Rocco, and the Philadelphia 76ers, as much as I can't believe I'm saying this, that they win the NBA title. Now, the likelihood of that is like a, eh, but it's, they can. There's no doubt that they can. With Tyrese Maxey, if Joel Embiid, I mean, you see what happens with Philadelphia 76ers when Joel Embiid is not healthy. If he's healthy, Tyrese Maxey plays well. You get what you need from the supporting cast there. I think they do have a shot, but they're going to need the ball to really bounce their way. And most of my wishes for that is for my for our guy, Robert Covington, to see him win an NBA championship. That would be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. I mean, I'm sure he's going to be in the playoffs, period. But that would be icing on the cake. And I'd like to see it. But that's going to be tough. I think Milwaukee, obviously, is a lot better as well. That was my son. Yes, he came downstairs as I'm recording. It's... It's going to be a tough road. I mean, there's some really good, even the young teams. I mean, Oklahoma City, Minnesota Timberwolves. I mean, man, this is this is going to be a fun NBA playoffs. But that's my wish for 2024, that the Sixers somehow get it done. I think they have the talent, but they need some the ball to bounce their way. A few things they need to happen for them realistically before we can say that they can win it all. But that's who I'm rooting for, no matter what. Baseball, man, I'm rooting for the Dodgers. That's my wish for 2024. Shohei Otani, I get my first wish is that I get to take my boys to see a game where he pitches and hits. Now, granted, Oh, shoot. I guess I'm not going to be able to now. I wanted to go see Wimbanyama play. I'll find a game to go see him play. I don't know why that's popped into my head. But I'm looking at the schedule and the games when the Dodgers are going to be playing the Nationals or the Pirates. And I'm going to go. And I hope that it can time out where he's going to be pitching in the rotation. Assuming he's healthy by then. That's what I want to see. And again, I'm rooting for the Dodgers. I'm rooting for Dave Roberts. And I know it's hard to say that um, you're rooting for the team that has the most money and they're outspending everybody. But as an organization, I don't know. I just like them. The connection to Magic Johnson, which I know is kind of ridiculous and a stretch. And Josh Harris. Oh, excuse me. Not Josh Harris. Um, Todd Bowley, 
I know I have all of these weird connections of how I like teams. So Todd Bowley, who's from the DMV, also is owner of the Chelsea, is a minority owner along with Magic Johnson and the Dodgers. So that's why I'm rooting for the Dodgers now. And I really like Shohei Otani, and so does my son. So that's why we're rooting for them. I would love for Rafa to get the Grand Slam if he can be healthy. I think that would help a lot of people who are not fans of Novak's Djokovic, Djokovic. If that can happen, that would be amazing. And I love that. I love the Grand Slam. I remember when Steffi Graf got the Golden Slam, the only player ever to do that, to win all four Grand Slams and Olympic gold. That was amazing to witness. So those are my wishes in sports for 2024. Because the other one I had, I guess, yeah, the regular season does end before January. I want to see an undefeated NFL team, if that can happen. I know it's hard. I don't know if it's really possible, but I want to see it. That would be kind of cool. Of course, next year we're going to see LeBron James playing with his son, most likely. Wherever his son is going to be uh, drafted. Because he's probably going to opt for the NFL draft after this season at USC because he wants to hurry up and get in the league. Whether he's good enough to or not, some team is going to be forced to draft him. Well, no team is forced unless it's except for the Lakers right now. But the team that drafts him will most likely get LeBron James to play with them as well. So some team is going to draft Bronny James so that there's a chance that they can get LeBron James play for them. That's what I think is going to happen and, of course, yep, yeah, that's going to happen in 2024. I'm acting like, oh, they're in the season right now. It's going to take some time. No, that's going to happen literally this year. I mean, next year, 2024. So I wish everyone the best. Thank you to all that have listened to Just for Sport and supported Just for Sport and supported me and been on the show over the years. I will continue to do this in 2024. My hope is I will do more shows but make them shorter Maybe like just for sport bursts. They may only be like five minute episodes as I talk about something that's come up in sports that I want to share. I think that's what I might do. They're like just for sport rants, if you will. That's what I'm going to call them. Some will be episodes. Some will be shorter rants. That's what they're going to be. But thank you very much for everyone that has uh, listened. I really appreciate it. It. And uh, I wish you all a happy and prosperous 2024. Uh, Ciao for now.